pick your battles. I think you said it best. Like, is that the hill you want to die on? Yeah. And there's so many times in my NICU career where I'm like, that wasn't the hill I wanted to die on. But I did. I bled all over that hill. For what? Yeah. Choose your battles. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the selfie show, you guys. We are your hosts, Tori Meskin and Sam Manicero. We are bringing you the weekly dose of sweet and salty. And we are, as always, talking off the clock. Mm -hmm. But today we are talking about me. (laughs) Oh, hey. Oh, woosah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is going to be a good one, you guys. I'm going to keep it real with you guys, but (sighs) this is... This is backstory, Sam. Yeah, Deep. There's, there's a lot of things here Dark. we're gonna be <laughs> diving into. Um, a lot of learning, a lot of life lessons. You live and you learn. A lot of um, growth, mindfulness, self awareness, self awareness. A lot That's of a things. Great thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're gonna be going into that today. Yeah, I'm really well. excited. Before we dive into that, though, I want to hear a little bit about. Um, you know, your situation with social media and some dating, like what's going on over there, you know, what's going so, on? Yeah. We were talking about what should single girl, married girl life tip be this week. And she yeah. was like social media. And I was like, Oh man. Mm. All right. Let me just say my DMS are a hot cesspool of just <laughs> filth. Like it's awful in there. It's like, well, to be go. fair, you're pretty sassy out there on your, on your gram. Your gram is pretty sassafras, but I don't care because the honestly, DMs are, I like my boobs and I like my butt and I'm going to post pictures of them, but yeah. it doesn't mean you can't respect me. I can post booty pictures and still be respected. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Come that's on. Very, very. Right. Yeah. Yes. hundred percent. So when you're, when you're going through your DMs, like what's going on back there? You know what I mean? All right. So I got one on Thursday that I'm like, this is a trap. I am not, <laughs> not even going to fall into this trap. He Do is not, not well. answer. Hi, smiley face. Can I ask if you ever helped a man in a wheelchair? <laughs> At least it's on brand with medical, you know. And that, but it makes me so nervous because one time I asked, got a DM from guys asking if I like to put in catheters. Oh my God. Ew. And I was like, nope. <laughs> I do not like where this is headed. Abort mission. Stop it right there. These are the DMs I don't reply to because I'm like, I don't want to respond and know what the the follow up to that is. Yeah, gross. I don't know where that's headed and I don't like it. Um, I also get some nice poetry. Would you like me to read you? Yeah, yeah, let's go there. Let's go there. This this nice gentleman sends me poems frequently. (laughs) So my most recent poem was, oh, this is a good one. She's soft and delicate. Yet strength of unseen power, a rare, beautiful mystery. She hides behind her eyes, body full of grace. I'll be there. There's more, but that, that was a small tidbit. Hey, you one. know what? Give give the guy some credit for trying, right? Yeah. Who said chivalry is dead? <laughs> um, other than that, it's like DMs from like people in the powerlifting world. And I don't want to go there because oh. that's like the don't shit where you eat sort of thing. Oh yeah, totally. And I don't want to be known as like a powerlifting hoe. It's um, also a thing in healthcare. Yeah. People. I don't want to be that nurse. Yeah, you don't want to be that so girl. I just, you know, prefer mm. to meet people in the wild as they yeah. call it. Or, you know, there's the app scene, but I think it's kind of trash on there. But 
I feel like DMs, it's like... Yeah, it's a whole different level. And it's just one screenshot away from ru- <laughs> ruining your life as well. So I don't know. If you slide into my DMs, I'll probably ignore you in that way. If you have like a legit question... Like, would you actually... Cool. Let's say a guy like genuinely like was hitting you up in your DMs. Like, would you... Like, would you say yes? Like, okay. what would you say? Can I be... Yeah. My true honest. Honest. How Hello. Is, is there any other way? We are not the daytime TV How hot podcast. Is oh, um, let's give him like a seven out of 10. Okay. Then, then I would have to vet his pro page okay. and personality and like right off the bat, does he like the things I like seven out of 10? Mm. Mm. I don't want to go 10 out of 10. Cause then it's like, that's I don't what I'm saying though. It would have to be like this magical unicorn in my DMS to get, <laughs> to catch me slipping. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're going to yeah. catch me slipping like that. It's because this six, four, 300 pound muscular unicorn just slid in my DMs. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, daddy. But if not, it's like, all right, let's chill on the DMs. Yeah. Call me daddy. Yeah. yeah. yeah Call yeah. me nurse daddy. Okay. All right. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. So for, uh, on Mary, like, yeah, because yeah, okay, you're yeah. out there. You have a totally way more followers than I do. No, and no, no. Creeps don't seem to care if you're married or not. Right? No, they don't care. They don't care. Um, I think, you know, I mean, definitely get at least one weekly marriage proposal a week. Yeah. Those um, usually come from people who are not, I think they want their half green the time. Card. They don't even speak English <laughs> yeah. to be honest. Pretty sure they just want me for their green card. Yeah, That's exactly. Okay. It's fine. Um, yeah, it's, it's better okay. than the non-marriage proposal I have right now. <laughs> it's more marriage proposals than, you know, so. Realty. Um, no, I feel like, okay, social media in a marriage is just also one thing. Okay, so I want to say a couple of things about this. First of all, we were the generation who kind of, we didn't grow up with it necessarily, but like at least social media has been in our lives. We got it in college when it came Yeah, counted. so like, I don't know. My policy on that is in our marriage, everything's an open book. Like, As it should be. That's yeah. healthy, in my opinion. Like, Jacob has all the passwords to everything. He manages my back-end e- emails, so if I get creepy-ass emails, he gets to read those, too. Like, I mean, he Do you sees... get email dick pics ever? Or is that, like, a DM thing? You know, actually, okay, I have not yet, oh. but I'm kind of like, why haven't I? Because I kind of feel like I should. Maybe <laughs> like, they are respectful that you're married, because I get dick pics no, every week. No, no. They're still trying to get back there. There's, oh. there's plenty of times where it's like, they're definitely trying to slip in there, and I'm like, mm. do you not know that, like, first of all, I am married, but then, yeah, Jacob happily and I have, married happily, and he has like the passwords to every single thing. Our phones are like my; he has the password or the codes to everything. It's like that's just I feel like that to me, especially when you're in the business of social media now, because I kind of feel like we're both. He's helping me out with a lot more. It's just healthy being op- open and honest with yeah. each other. That's just the thing. Is like we're just very transparent. We're very open. Like he gets to see all the clog fetish crap that's going on back there. Cause let me tell you, there's a lot of that too. Well, at least you don't get the dick pics. Cause I get that every yeah, week. No, no. <laughs> every single week. What is it with guys that they want to do that? Like why, know. why? Even if I like you, I don't want to see your dick. <laughs> totally. To be honest. No, never, it's just unattractive. No. It's not a thing. I don't They're know. Not cute. It's not, it's not not what I want to be saying. Thank you very much. So well, that was fun. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, yeah. So open, honest. Be open and honest. Um, I feel like that's important. So yeah, there you go. All right. Question of the week. What do we got? Okay. So this one this week was actually really interesting, and I had a hard time pinpointing it. But um, healthcare shift must haves. Like, what do you bring with you on your shifts? What's like the the t- I want to say like top three things or like what are your things that you got to have? You know what I mean? Okay. 
my number one, I will not work my shift without compression socks. Mm. And I started off my first few years in nursing, not wearing compression socks. Cause I just thought they were overrated and like totally stupid. And then they were on sale and I tried them. Holy life changing game, game, game changer. Yeah. It's phenomenal. My feet, I used to get swollen legs when I go home, I'd like go to sleep and elevate my legs on a pillow to sleep. I still do. I'd be sore. My feet would hurt. My legs would hurt. Game changer. I, it is, if you are not wearing compression socks, you hate yourself. Yes. So get them. They will save your life. Wear your compression socks. I concur. Can we give a shout out to our favorite company? Yes. Up at Dawn. Up compression. at Dawn. Love it. And we can we put it in our show notes. We'll put it in the show notes, but also why I like them. Not only the compression socks, but they're also cotton. Which is so cute. And yeah, they're adorable. First of all, they're very like Hawaiian themed, which is aloha. Made by a nurse. Adorable. Made by a nurse. But they're cotton, which I really like because my feet stink so bad when you when the the you know, the ones that are like made of like polyester or like some. I don't know. I don't know what they're made of, but they're not good. These are awesome because they are cotton. And I really like that. And to support a small business by a fellow nurse, I think it's awesome. Enough corporations get your money. What's number two? Like, what's your thing you gotta have? Coffee. Duh. Like, if I come without coffee, everyone around me will be miserable. (laughs) And I have a specific pen. It's the um, G. Oh, fancy. Okay, you well, tell why, us while I look while it up. you're looking that up. Okay, so it's funny because neither one of us are actually saying stethoscope, which I feel like is kind <laughs> of a given. We should say that. However, I actually want to tell you guys this. Normally, now a lot of ICUs and specifically NICU, PICU, all CVICU provide stethoscopes at the bedside because of infection control. Yeah. So when people ask me, like, what's your favorite stethoscope? What are you wearing? Well, I love MDF stethoscopes because one, they're adorable. They're beautiful. I really, really like them. Um, I do have a pediatric one that I bring with me just in case I get floated somewhere. Yes, the dreaded F word. But um if I was, I do really like the MDF stethoscopes. Um, they are just, I don't know, there's a rose gold one that I've used in every single picture that I really love. But typically, to be quite frank with you, most of the PEDS units, or not PEDS units, but the ICUs provide the, provide the stethoscopes. Do, yeah. Does transport, I don't know what, the, what do you guys do? Um, we have our own that we, so I leave it at work. So it's not something I have to like bring with me because it's just part of my equipment. And yeah, yeah. Disinfect between each call. Yeah. I found my pen. It's the Pilot G2 series and they come in 0.7, but that's too thick. 0.38 is ultra fine. That is too fine. You need the 0.5. I, it is the only pen I will write with at work. Oh I will have a meltdown if you steal my pen. Oh dear. I don't want to use any other pen. It's the Pilot G2 pen. I can't. That's it. <laughs> that is my must have. Okay. Love that for you. Um, something else I was going to say is, um, a charger for your phone just in case. Mm, Yeah. You're not supposed to have your phone at work, but realty, realty, you need a charger. charger. Yeah. Um, and then, okay. I, in my work bag, I always do ibuprofen and gum. Oh, Excedrin. That's my other. Can I add a fourth? Yeah. If you need Excedrin, come to me. I am your local Excedrin Mm, dealer. mm Mm-hmm. I always have excitement on it. I also think it's good to have like a little snack, a little extra snack you just carry in your bag because I feel like 
I don't know, for whatever reason, things happen and you're like, they're long. I don't know. It's just good to have a little that's extra not something. like even a must have. That's just part of It's part existing. of your bag. Yeah. Snacks and snacks. Sam are one <laughs> and the same. A good water bottle. Love that question. Thanks, guys. Good one. And good please one. submit questions. And it doesn't have to be nursing related. I know that we're nurses. We work in healthcare, but you can ask us anything and everything. We're an open book and we really yeah. want to take this podcast to new places and connect with you guys on a different level. So you can ask us anything. We want it to be very interactive. So we appreciate all of your your input and your questions, all the fun things. Okay, Missy. Oh, man. Okay. Okay. So um, I have now known you for nine, eight, nine years. years. And um, there have been so many things that have have happened from the beginning of your career. (laughs) A lot of things have happened and I, I think this is actually a really great moment to hear because I think as a new nurse and I see it a lot, a lot of new nurses coming in and they it's like hard now because we're kind of the seasoned nurses where we look at it and we're like, oh, honey, no, oh, there she goes. There she goes. Like, no, there goes another one. Yeah. And it's another just, one bites the dust. yeah. Another and it's, one. it's tough because it's like that. Okay. I'm the sweet. You're the salty, right? I do feel like there's that balance of like wanting to be the nurse for everything and you start your career and you want to, you know, grab at everything and do everything and be everybody's everything and make the world, make the changes that you need to make. But, um, sometimes we're going to learn a lot. We're going to learn a lot today from Sam. We're going to deep dive into her history as a nurse and some things that you learned from, or you learned as you went. Oh, I learned. So let's get a brief recap. Like Let's talk your nursing. Let's talk your career, your history, like everything. Like, let's go there. I started as a new grad in the NICU and jumped full in. Loved it. I quickly, I didn't even wait that long to quickly start participating in the unit. So within my first year of being in the nurse, I was a super user. That was when we were starting to do barcode scanning for medication. Jumped on the chance to be super user and start to get involved within my unit And then I joined the Clinical Practice Council, which is our NICU-specific committee that we revise policies, procedures, our NICU manual, and just talk about actual structurally things within the unit. So I became on that. I actually stayed on that. It was supposed to only be like two years. I ended up staying, I think, for three or even four years. And then I decided to start climbing the clinical ladder. So my second year as a nurse, I became a Clin 2, and that means you have to do all these extracurriculars. So be precept nursing students, be super user for different new products. I did breast milk scanning, then I did BART or medication scanning, breast milk scanning, then we scan our blood at our hospital. I did super user for all those things. So translation for you guys, we are, our hospital went from um, essentially paper or um, I don't know, two nurse verification to uh, an online or like a computer program. Yes. And so Sam, Sam was the one that helped or one of the nurses that helped transition that. So then I was on the clinical practice council and then I joined another committee. I don't even know what it stands for. SME something expert. (laughs) Basically it had to do with computer charting. I was in charge of our unit and providing all the like changes to our medical chart as we updated things. So adding in how to chart these wounds here and how to do this and how to just make changes to our online charting system and then educate the nurses within the unit. 
And then even within the clinical practice council, CPC, we started to implement bedside report. I revised our NICU report sheets that we use. I did like super user on how to teach all the nurses how to properly give bedside report with parents in attendance. I did everything. Yeah. Then I became a clin um, three. three nurse. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. Actually, I became a Clin 3 nurse the year before. Clin 2, you're automatically after you're done with new grad. So I became a Clin 3 nurse and then I decided to go for the Clin 4. And at that time, so I was also getting my master's degree and I did my master's thesis project, my evidence-based research project within the NICU. And it was about drawing cord blood to do our admission labs. So I taught all of the nurses in the entire unit how to actually go to L&D, how to draw labs straight off the placenta, straight off the umbilical cord, did all this like data gathering. It was a whole big project. And that's what I got my master's degree on for my leadership degree. So that counted. And then I actually had to write the policy about how to draw cord blood. So even when you write a policy at the hospital, it has you have to write the policy, cite it, source it. Then it has to go to a committee that reviews the policy. And then I wrote a whole nother policy about using length boards to get accurate lengths when we measure our kids Mm -hmm. instead of just using a little paper tape. Then we have a special unit, um, where we work, where it takes care of micro preemies. So I joined the committee for that. And then I actually became the chair of that committee. Mm-hmm. So I was on all the things. So I quickly became a Clint Four nurse. Yeah. So I wrote multiple policies. I was on multiple committees, like three different committees in my first few years there. I was the chair of the micro preemie committee where we did evidence-based practice changes and making sure that that unit was running as best as it could be for that micro preemie population. I did everything Everything. on top of work, getting, going to grad school and working overtime while I was in grad school to help me pay for grad school. So my plate was full. My cup had runneth over. So, I mean, here you are, you're like this crazy badass nurse. So where do you think it went wrong? It's funny that you say where did it went wrong? Because that's really it did. It it went so wrong somewhere along the line. And when I say wrong, I mean to the point where there were times in like 2017 that I'd pull up to work in the parking lot and I would cry mm-hmm. in the parking lot before I'd go into work and then have to like pull myself together to go in and start my shift. And I was truly miserable. And it wasn't because I didn't love my patients. I love the NICU population. I love the families that I've cared for. And I love the babies. And I'm still in contact with some of them. And it's been the greatest chapter of my life. But I made mistakes in my career. And I'll I can totally own up to it and be honest. I have a big mouth. I think if you know me, you know that I have a big mouth, which is great for podcasting. It's great for podcasting. It's not great for um, a professional setting always. Yeah. Specifically Especially yeah. when you yeah. have not grown up enough to learn when to pick your battles. Yeah. And when you need to bite your tongue and what's worth fighting for. And I'm a fierce patient advocate and I'm an advocate for my fellow nurses. So when I feel like we're not doing something yeah, that's in the best interest of my coworkers or my patients, I'm like a dog with a bone. So there were a few mistakes made throughout this process. Like, can you dive into that a little bit? Like, what were your, do you feel like specifically were your mistakes? Well, I think that I definitely spoke up sometimes. And sometimes it was for the right reasons. And sometimes there was just things that I probably didn't need to make a big deal of. And I did. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that I got labeled as having a big mouth or being problematic or being kind of controversial or feisty yeah. or whatever. I don't even know what the right word for me, but I got kind of that mark yeah. on me. And then I feel like once you're kind of being closely watched like that, everything you do is under a microscope from there on. And then it's really easy for you to even say something that's kind of more innocent and it to even be interpreted wrong because you've already made that bed for yourself mm-hmm. of having a certain type of like attitude right. or bad attitude. And, you know, I will say that there are times when I like complained a lot and I don't think that benefited yeah, me. Yeah, but I also <laughs> feel like that's a lot of, I mean, agreeing with you on this, I feel like a lot of times nurses will speak up about things, about whatever it is, practice changes, about things going on in the unit that they don't agree with, whether it's leadership or things that are changing or things, you know, and notoriously nurses, we don't love change. That's a big thing. We don't love change. Um, but a lot of nurses do speak up about these things and it does get you in trouble sometimes. I think also because I was seen as a leader in our unit because I was clin for because I precepted new grads, precepted nursing students, because I wrote all these policies. I was on all these committees. I was the chair of one committee. I didn't really see myself as a leader in the unit at the time. I just thought I was on par with everyone else. And I still kind of feel like that way. But now looking back, I can see where, okay, I probably was yeah. considered a leader within my unit. Yeah. And so their management's looking at me to set the example but I'm kind of trailblazing the way and like fighting the good fight in my mind. Yeah. And you were, and to be fair, like I was, I, I kind of felt like at the time you were a big role model or your group. And there was a cohort of nurses who I really looked up to. And you were definitely that, that group for me. And I feel like I learned a lot from you guys. I mean, to be fair, like some of my best, most learning moments were from those, those years when I was learning from you guys and, you know, I was looking up to you and I do think it is something now for me, I would agree with you where like you don't realize you are that person and you're kind of becoming that leader in the unit. All right. So here is actually where Tori and I both went wrong. Mm-hmm. Let's spill it. Yeah. So we learned some very valuable lessons here. Starting out as new grads in the NICU, it's a lot to learn. There's so many different areas and fields. There's neuro, there's cardiac, there's preemies, there's GI and surgical kids. There's congenital disorders, all of that on top of attending actual deliveries in its of itself. So there's like neonatal resuscitation in the delivery room. There's a lot going on. And you have to learn a lot of that right off the bat. So where we work we have a lot of specialized teams, teams that just attend deliveries, that just take care of cardiac kids, that just take care of surgical kids, neuro, neuro kids, yeah. the micro preemies. And it's a hard balance of trying to be well-rounded, but also trying to be good at being specialized in one thing. And a lot of changes happened within our education department when around the time that we were newer nurses there mm-hmm. of building these specialty teams. And so it used to be kind of the expectation that you knew how to take care of everything. Any baby that got admitted into your unit, you knew how to take care of. And then we kind of decided, hey, let's make these specialized teams so that we can provide a higher level of care and do more specialized classes, which is a great idea. But then at the same time, you're not necessarily learning how to take care of all the patients. Yes. And Tori and I really wanted to be able to do that. So one of the things was that we used to mandatory have to take a labor and delivery class after you'd been there two years, two years. one one year, two years. Yeah. I don't remember, but yeah. 
you had to take this mandatory labor and delivery class so that you could start to attend the high-risk deliveries and be the NICU nurse at the deliveries. And then once they decided to make labor and delivery its own team, they stopped doing the class as mandatory. So they actually hadn't held the class in a year. And Tori and I were like, we really want to take this class. Yeah. And the class isn't being offered. And so we started to push mm-hmm. and push. And we would talk to the educator about it and we would kind of be brushed off. Yeah. And then we got pretty persistent about it. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we handled that in the right way. Yeah. We got very vocal. And I think Sam and I felt very kind of pigeonholed into our specialty. Um, And it didn't really allow for growth, which I think we both felt very frustrated by. Um, And so, you know, we really advocated for more education and we were very vocal about it. I think that's the way, you know, we just unfortunately, I think we're a little too vocal about that situation. And, um, you know, we were very public about our our feelings and our intentions were good. Our intentions were good. We wanted not only ourselves to get more education, but for our coworkers as well to have these opportunities to learn and grow and become better NICU nurses. Yeah. But I don't think we necessarily handled it the right way. Whereas eventually our educator wasn't really interested in holding another class for us. So we finally just kind of went around her above her head or whatever you want to call it and went to the manager Mm -hmm. and was like we really want to take this class we're not being listened to and at the end of the day I don't think that was the right move I don't think it was professional and I think we could have handled it better and looking back as now an experienced nurse as someone who now has a master's degree in leadership who teaches professionally I think I'm just overall more of a professional person and understand how to better handle these types of situations. So in hindsight, I wish I did things differently. I wish that I would have asked the educator, hey, can we sit down and have a meeting with you and management to maybe discuss education within our department instead of just going behind her back? Right. And yeah. Then- yeah, I agree. I feel like, as you said, like our, our execution of the situation wasn't great. And collaboration is probably more of the way that we we should have handled it. And instead of like villainizing someone as they're not letting us learn and they're not listening to our needs, collaboration, I think Mm -hmm. you nailed it with that would have been, hey, can we all work together to talk about what we can do as a team? Yeah. Like would have been so much better for morale. Yes. Would have been better for education. It would have been just better all around. Yeah. Lesson learned on that one. I think maybe something we could have done would be initiate like the education that we wanted or somehow format it or present some things that we felt like we really wanted to strengthen on. Um, That would have been a much better effort on our part for sure. Um, You know, and something I feel like, you know, we as healthcare providers really carry the weight of caring for our patients. And I think we were just feeling like we weren't growing to really learn extra skills you know and so I think that was just something that felt a little frustrating on both our parts and you know obviously lesson learned that wasn't the best way to go about things we learned a lot do you think that got us mislabeled as troublemakers yes and we definitely ended up with you know the scarlet letter yeah you know we we did and I think I I think it's then harder to further collaborate down the road, too, because now you've been deemed like difficult to work with or not very collaborative Mm -hmm. when our intention was. But we didn't I don't think we were mature enough Mm -hmm. or professional enough or had enough experience to really kind of handle the situation the best. So I think it hurt us in further situations when working on 
education opportunities or working on things with leadership. Yeah. Um, it just hurt our potential to make other future changes because of how we handled that one situation. Yeah, and I think to extend on that a little bit too, something that I felt like was happening, at least in my court, was these issues were like carrying me to the home setting and it started affecting me sort of like overall. Like I was feeling like a very negative Nancy. I think that I was just not in a good place. Um, And, you know, something that I think is really important to relate to all of you as well is, and this is harder said than done, but it's a true skill to really be able to leave it at the hospital Mm -hmm. and to be able to, you know, obviously we're all human and, you know, we all have these feelings when we're caring for patients and we get so passionate and we're just so, you know, gung ho about things. Um, And then it started negatively affecting my home life. And I think something that I want to also kind of relate to you guys is to really learn how to, you know, what your boundaries are, what is a true priority, and how to really prevent mental burnout. Because I think Sam and I felt very burned out in the in that year or two years. Like we started feeling very just sort of mentally crushed. You guys all know we want things convenient anytime, anywhere through a computer, tablet, or smartphone. So why don't you make that your therapy? And you know Tori and I are big on therapy. Mm-hmm. We're so happy to be partnered with BetterHelp. It's an online platform where it provides therapy of all kinds to you. And it's mm-hmm. customized and it's tailored specific and unique to you you get 10% off your first month if you use our code selfie at checkout that's betterhelp.com forward slash selfie for 10% off your first month betterhelp.com forward slash selfie betterhelp.com forward slash selfie all right let's get back into the show you get into a cycle of negativity Mm -hmm. because if you are negative at work Mm -hmm. it carries over into your home life if you're negative if you have stuff non-work related in your home life that are maybe negative or toxic or whatever that carries over into your work life and you're bringing that negative negativity into work and then you start to chase yourself Mm -hmm. in this circle this merry-go-round of negativity where it's like one affects the other the other affects the other and you're just get in this rut. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, obviously we carry a lot of weight as healthcare providers. We carry a lot with us. We want to do so well. We want to be the best we can possibly for our patients. We want to be the best. And, you know, I think that something else I want to sort of relate to you guys as far as like lessons learned and, you know, how to handle things is to really sort of lean on the people around you and, you know, use them as a tool. There's a lot of people that we could have, you know, spoken to or figured out how to make that situation a little bit better. Um, You know, and me bringing it home to Jacob was not, it wasn't good. I should have left it at home. I shouldn't have been letting it affect my life. And, you know, part of the reason why I exited the hospital uh, was, I, you know, I, I went and I travel nursed and I, I that was at the time when I, I left the hospital. And so after that situation yeah. is when you kind of approached me about, I think I'm like, might leave and go do travel nursing yeah yeah and you know I think I think I felt the itch to you know try something new but that was kind of around the time when I just felt so kind of burnt out and just you know I was sensing that self I was sensing it in myself that I wasn't 
it wasn't going to get better for me mentally in a in the time frame that I was going to want to. So for me, it was better to go adventure into something else, throw myself into a new situation, um, you know, and that ultimately really did invigorate me. It changed my whole perspective, which felt really good. And that's another tip, you guys, if you're not happy at your job, change it up. You know, the don't sit and wallow in it. If you're if you're miserable and you are not happy going in or you're frustrated and things are not changing, then, you know, you got to change it up. And I think think sometimes change makes you appreciate things that you maybe didn't appreciate when it was in front of you. Yes. Too. So you leaving isn't. And we've said this multiple times that, you know, if you're not happy, leave. Yes. And sometimes it's for the sheer sake of maybe realizing that the grass isn't greener mm-hmm. and that maybe you had it a little better than you thought you did. But sometimes when you're so in it, you're in tunnel vision and you're not able to see outside of yourself and your situation. Yes. So sometimes leaving just helps you maybe understand that that was not the right spot for me. And I'm so much happier branching out doing something different Mm -hmm. surrounding myself in a different environment and sometimes you're kind of realizing like you know there's things about that that I actually liked and you have a different appreciation for things you didn't appreciate before so in general it's just good on a growth perspective to sometimes get out of your comfort zone and experience other things to really help figure your life out what happened um with you miss well I just stuck it out and kept going to work day after day after day and was getting increasingly more happy and I think it was apparent to the people around me that I wasn't happy yeah that I you can tell when your coworkers miserable because they're miserable to be around yeah Uh, and when you have nothing good to say about your job because that was something I think consistently from it was a few of our like it was a group of us who were really unhappy with the situation like we we were were. complaining all the time yeah we were really unhappy we were vocal about our complaints yes and it was to, negative energy. That's not good. Can we also give a backstory to this? The the reason or maybe the pinpoint, which there was a lot of man- management changing. We yeah, had, we've had multiple managers in those years. And yeah. A lot of changes. So many changes. We had um, directors who when let's put it this way six months into my career and I talked about this early on you guys back in one of the early episodes six months into my career we went through the housewide layoffs mm-hmm. and I literally had to watch a nurse right in front of me get fired yeah and by one of our managers and you know then all of a sudden directors were gone managers were gone so we just went through a lot in a short amount of time as like a nursing cohort educators and I, changed managers changed yeah there was no consistency gone. so I think that we just felt very frustrated as new nurses and so um I obviously made that change the, the decision to leave and Sam stayed and I think another thing to add to it is the fact that it's kind of like you're going to be categorized by who you hang around with. And a lot of my friends in the unit who have now all since gone on to other things, some of them have stayed, but some of them have gone on. Some have stayed, left, and then came back like Tori mm-hmm. came back. But who you surround yourself with matters because there's been times where I've gotten, you know, in the principal's office over things that I actually wasn't even involved with. I had nothing to do with, but I'm guilty by association because I'm hanging out in a group of people that are maybe talking negatively or complaining or something. And even if I didn't actually participate in the conversation, just being in that circle while it's happening makes me a party to it. And so now I'm guilty by association. So sometimes I found myself kind of just getting, and because I already had that reputation on my back, I had the scarlet letter. I gave myself the scarlet letter. I was branded. So now even if I'm 
not around any, uh, not personally saying anything negative myself, but I'm around people that are, it's like, oh, there's Sam again, talking crap or being complaining or being negative. And I'm like, I didn't even say anything this time. And I'm getting like lumped in with it. But I, again, I made that bed for myself. I gave myself that reputation. So now I'm kind of always guilty by association. So I felt like I would try so hard to come to work and just be like, I'm going to be quiet and not say a thing. And I was still finding myself kind of getting in the principal's office. And I'm just like, there's nothing, I can't do anything right. Like I feel like I'm forever just have this scarlet letter on my back. I can't get rid of it. I'm not saying that I didn't deserve it. You guys, I'm not trying to play the victim here at all. I definitely had a bad attitude at times. I was a negative person and had a bad attitude. I was not happy. So, Fast forward a couple of years, um, I travel nursed and then I actually took a travel assignment back at the, our home hospital. So can we talk about your stage left? Like what was the yeah. straw that, you know, everything, it all kind of just went downhill so bad in like 2017. So like I said, I wasn't happy. I would come to work and cry in the parking lot and then have to go inside. And it was just like, I don't want to like, I feel like I can't say anything right. I can't do anything right. Even when I have honest intentions, it gets misinterpreted because I've just branded myself this way and I'm stuck in this hole. I don't even know how to get out. I'm just like not happy. And then I still, there was still a lot going on within the unit and changes too. So it just didn't feel like a very good work environment. And I don't feel like I had a good relationship with my managers anymore. And I don't felt like that was so fractured. I wasn't even sure how to change it. And then my personal life started falling apart and that was affecting me like at work also. So I kind of just had this moment where I was like, what am I doing? Why am I coming to work if it doesn't make me happy? Like granted, yes, I have bills to pay and I have all these things, but you create your own destiny. You create your own life. And I just think you are wasting your time, your life. You're wasting other people's time. If you're coming to work and you're complaining, if you're not happy, do something about yeah. it. Don't just sit in the mud. Yeah. Life if is you're too not short happy, for that. Do something mm-hmm. about it. And I was like, I need to make mm-hmm. a change. I don't know what that is. I talked about doing travel nursing. Yeah. Um, I asked my job, how would it even work to take a leave of absence? And I was like, I don't know if travel nursing would work unless I have to completely quit and I don't want to quit. You went through a whole lot of of everything thoughts. Like I think, yeah, it was like going to one day I walked into the unit and they actually like switched my assignment that I was thought I was supposed to have. So I was kind of having an internal meltdown about that. And if you're a nurse and you thrive off of consistency, you know how, if you're already having a bad day, um, having your assignment switched can totally send you in between your shifts. Yeah. So I had my assignment switched And I walked in and was just like, had been crying in the car. And then I walked up to where I was going to give report and it was the twin room. Thank goodness. So it's like a double room meant for twins. And I walk up and I see Tori Mm -hmm. as the day shift nurse. And I was like, thank you, God, that it's someone I know because I am like hanging on by the smallest little thread ever right now. And then I like just looked at her and I was like, are there parents in the room? And she said, no. And I was like, okay good let's do report in the room I go in the room and I just started bawling she was literally bawling I couldn't even talk couldn't breathe like could not and I was so grateful to just know someone at work that I could like unleash you because I'm just like and also can I tell this too this was at a time when like first of all I had never seen you cry 
Okay. No, I don't like, cry, you, you don't guys. Cry. I'm not an emotional person. No, like, I had never seen you cry. And, like, there was, I, you know, as friends, like, we all knew things were going on. But I think, like, I didn't realize the extent of it. And, and I'm a you, tough cookie. Yeah, you are. And I think that's also something where, like, speak to that on a lot of healthcare providers, I feel like, are in that boat where you carry so many things. And you don't really realize that it's it does, it can affect you at the bedside. It does affect you. And I think as We're a friend, robots, like, yeah, you can only turn it off for so long. Right. And I didn't realize as a friend, like, it almost pained me to know how, like, worn down and where you were and I that was the moment where I realized like how bad it was for you so that was the moment though that I knew like I have to make a change from here like not only in my personal life but in my career and I didn't know what that would be but I knew it was time to go somewhere I was happy because could you imagine doing even all these things like I was a clin for nurse and getting terrible evals <laughs> And some of it was warranted. Like I said, I did have a shitty attitude. I complained a lot. But to be doing all the things I did within the unit and to be a Clin 4 nurse and to be getting dings on my eval yeah. was heartbreaking. And it's heartbreaking to not feel appreciated in the unit you work for. It's heartbreaking to feel like you've given everything and you're not doing a good job. Yeah. Did you feel... Did you feel pigeonholed in your role in the well, NICU? So I was terrified to leave the NICU. Like, where could I go? I've never done anything else. I've done my whole career NICU. It's all I know. I don't even like to take care of big babies because I'm not even good at that. Like, I, how do you leave the NICU? It is so specialized. How did you? So I was already per diem at a different hospital, but I knew that long term, that probably wasn't where I wanted to just be full time. So then I just decided to start branching out another thing. So I actually shadowed at a plastic surgeon's office and thought about maybe doing OR plastic surgery nursing, which still was very, very interesting. Yeah. I was already teaching clinical at the time. So I had that going for me. So I was like, maybe I can just be an OR nurse at a surgery center, plastic surgery and teach clinical still. That would be kind of cool. And then I thought about maybe getting into doing Botox and I kind of looked into that. What experiences did you need for that? Like for Botox? Yeah. Yeah. That's the hard part. Like most of them want you to have experience, but how do you get experience? Mm -hmm. No idea. So you have to find someone that's willing to train you. And that's really hard. And so I was struggling to even find a way into that field because I needed someone, one that was good at it, that was willing to take me on with zero experience and train me knowing that it would be a pay cut because that's an initial giant pay cut. And that's cut. the thing. Yeah. yeah. It pay is everything. And mm -hmm. even to be a plastic surgery nurse that in the OR would be a huge pay cut. Yeah. Everything was basically going to be a pay cut, but happiness isn't coming from money at the yeah. end of the day. And I wasn't happy. So I explored all those options. The surgery, plastic surgery, shadowing was super cool. And then one of my old friends from elementary school and junior high works at the same hospital as I do in the pediatric ICU. And she showed up one day in the neonatal ICU to cross train. And I'm like, what are, what are you doing down here? Mm -hmm. And she said, oh, I'm cross training to NICU because I've joined our emergency transport team, which does the flight helicopter transfers and the ambulance transfers. And I was like, what? Like, mm -hmm. whoa, that's yeah. cool. Like, why? And she started kind of just saying the same things like, well, I've been in the unit, like I think she was nine or 10 years deep in pediatric ICU. I just need a change. 
it just, I'm not as happy anymore. Just describing, I think to a lesser extent than I was. And I don't think she knew the full extent of like where you were, where I wasn't at, but she just, she needed to change and had kids and different family life. And she's describing all these things. And I'm like, she's like, you should do it. And I was like, girl, I hate floating to pick you. I hate big kids. Like there's no way I could ever take care of bigger kids. And she's like, no, you would love it. You should be great. Email my manager. And I was like, nah. And then I went home and thought about it. And I was like, that would actually be kind of cool. I already teach pediatrics, even though I take care of like specifically NICU. So I was like, oh, could I do this? Hmm. And then I was YOLO. YOLO, baby. Fucking YOLO. Yeah. I just, what do I have to lose? I mean, there's not even a job posted. So I have nothing to lose by just reaching out. So if you want something, you have to go for it. I emailed the manager of the transport team directly and introduced myself. Hi, my name is Samantha Manicero. I've worked here in the NICU for seven years. I'm very interested in joining the transport team and learning more about it. I've attached my resume. I'd love to meet with you if you have a moment. She emailed me back the next day. When are you free? Come in. Let's talk about transport. Let's even see if this is something you're actually interested in. Came down, sat in her office. She told me about the team. I told her about my experience. We really hit it off. We had a great talk. I loved her energy. I told her flat out off the bat, I have seven years of NICU experience and that's it. I have floated to the CVICU. I've floated to PEDS ICU. What experience do you need to to work on a flight nurse, to become a flight nurse? Like, what do you need? Okay, so minimum five years ICU. For my specific job being pediatrics, it could be five years PICU, five years CVICU, five years neonatal ICU, or five years of like ER trauma, but ICU. But then you have to cross train to the other ICU specialties. So I was very just upfront. I have seven years neonatal ICU, especially really good with the micro preemies, but I do not know big kids. Right. But I'm willing to learn. Yeah. And I, sh- I think she loved that because I'm passionate. I'm willing to learn. And if someone's willing to learn, she was willing to train me. So I said, if you put me up in PEDS ICU, I'm willing to cross train. I'm willing to learn. And so she said, all right, well, let's have the team interview you because ultimately it's a team fit and a personality thing. And the team has to like you and the team has to want you. So I did a big group interview with the team day shift and night shift, which can be very intimidating. Oh my God. That was the hardest interview of my life. Also, can we talk about the fact that every interview is essentially like a, do we like you interview? Yeah. Like that's like probably one of the, they know I have the experience. It is, are you a good specific fit personality wise for the team or this team? And if you're, I mean, obviously I've been a NICU nurse for seven years. I'm smart enough, but am I a good fit? And then this is where I was worried was, oh my gosh, is my reputation from the NICU going to blackball me from getting this job? Which is very real, you I guys. I was terrified that I'm going to miss out now. Yeah. Now I have this interview with this dream job that didn't even exist. There's not even an opening for the job and they're still giving me an interview to join this team. But is my reputation from the NICU going to blackball me from future job opportunities? Mm-hmm. And again, to my own fault. We know nurses was, that that's happened to. Yeah, and I was kicking myself in the butt, but I was very honest. And they actually, the hardest question on in the interview right out the gate was like, um, all right, so what should we know about you? But don't give us like a cookie cutter. Like what's what's wrong with you, basically? Mm-hmm. Like, like a weakness or like not even a weakness, but just like, what, what is wrong with you (laughs) that caught me off guard? And I was like, wow. And I, I was honestly honest. I'm all, I've learned a lot in the NICU. 
in my seven years, you might've even like heard things about me. Everyone has worked at this hospital for a very long time. I have a very strong personality. I think it takes a strong personality to be a flight nurse on a call by yourself and not have a doctor and not have any other nurses around just you and a respiratory therapist. It takes a lot of autonomy. So it takes a strong personality, but I've really had to learn how to pick my battles and when to be strong and when to be a team player. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the biggest things. So as much as the NICU was a tough place for me in that sense. I feel like it humbled me so much because I really learned how to pick my battles and what's important and how to be a team player. So I have a strong personality, but now I know better about when to use it yeah, and when to not. I think I am such a different person now than I was in 2017. Yeah. I would agree with that. And I think I'm a better nurse for going through what I went through. So as much as that was a dark time in my life and that I wish, I mean, I honestly, I saw myself retiring in the NICU. I saw myself being a lifer. I'm glad that I went through what I went through Mm -hmm. because it made me a better person. I appreciate my job so much. I have a really good relationship with my manager where I'm at. I just am better yeah. going through all those things and learning all those tough lessons and what not to do. And I can tell you, I have been on this team for two years now, never been in the principal's office, <laughs> never been talked to. I've had two great well, glowing evals. Um, but I think I'm a better person. Yeah. yeah. I don't complain. I do my job. I always try to have a good attitude. I try to stay out of any drama because there'll be drama on any unit, no matter how big or small. I try to stay out of that stuff. I try to just be positive and do my job. Yeah. I think that's kind of a big thing for me as well. And leave the rest behind and not get involved because it's so easy to get caught up in everyone else and in the um, group mentality. And that's gotten me nowhere in the past. Yeah. And I think, I mean, there's just there's a lot of different personalities. Like, I mean, unit to unit, I think, I mean, yeah, you see that now more than anything, you know, like what are your thoughts on that? I, my unit is full of now a very strong personality. Yeah. Like flight, you guys have a reputation. There's a, there's a lot of very <laughs> strong, strong we nurses. Are, we're all crazy. Nurses and RTs. And RTs. The RTs are, I mean, we are equal mm-hmm. equals. So it's not, like one carries it. No, we are equals and strong nurses, strong RTs. And some of them even butt heads because they want to do it their way and they want to <laughs> do it their way. And then, you know, we get into it sometimes with the bedside nurses when we're dropping patients Oh, 100%. Off. It's kind of like the dynamic between like ED and ICU is the same thing between transport and ICUs. Like it's like, FYI, very, it's, it's our patient until we put them in your bed. Yeah. So don't think it, just because we walked in your room, they're not your patient yet until I've placed them on your bed. Yeah. Then they're yours. It's but definitely until a then they're mine and get your dirty little hands off. <laughs> just thank you. NICU nurses. Don't touch that baby until I put them in your bed. Isn't it funny how the, you see the craziness that I see that nurses are when you leave. Yeah. It's really weird. Like even for me with critical care flow pool coming back to NICU, there are times where I'm like, you guys, this is not the hill you want to die on. Yeah. It, you, you sometimes have yeah. to go away from it to really learn. Yes. Yeah. Because and I think when you're in it, yeah. you're so in it micro focused and you don't always see big picture because you only have this tunnel vision mm-hmm. and you leave and you get out and you're like, Oh <laughs> yeah. 
I think that's kind of honestly any unit, any nurse, any nurse that's going through this. I mean, I think it took me leaving a hospital and really expanding on my like I've worked primarily NICU minus my stint in critical care float pool. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that was what made me such a better nurse because it got me out of my comfort zone. I literally you are I mean, especially being a a travel nurse, like you're kind of thrown in there like you there's no mercy on travel nurses like usually most places you go it's like you gotta you gotta learn you gotta keep up and um i primarily worked in level four nikki's when i was traveling and it's kind of like you just gotta go and you gotta figure it out and i think that made me a better nurse but yeah and i also think it makes you appreciate what like when you finally feel good in a unit and you start feeling like okay like i'm good here and my personality fits and but sometimes it takes time to figure that out and it's a a learning lesson i think it just takes time to really figure it out um what do you feel like for you are like your lessons learned like what do you feel like pick your battles I think you said it best like is that the hill you want to die on yeah and there's so many times in my NICU career where I'm like that wasn't the hill I wanted to die on but I did I bled all over that hill for what yeah choose your battles um and learn the right way to handle things I definitely wish I was a little bit more mature I just think I've grown and I've learned so much. So I feel like that's kind of a younger nurse uh, thing. And, you know, I see it, you see it, or, yeah. you know, and people who want to make such a, a big change or get so frustrated by very upper level things. And you just don't understand the process that it takes to make change or the mm-hmm. process it takes to get things done or, you know, how certain roles in for example, management, they only have so much that they can do to where, you know, it has to go through all these processes for things to change. And, you know, I think that's why getting my master's degree in nursing leadership was good because I did a lot of, I did all my clinical hours with upper management at my hospital. And I saw a lot of behind the scenes and I was like, that was really eye opening to me to realize Mm -hmm. that, okay, surface level, there's so much more to it than we think. And it's not as easy as we think. And I don't envy being in any of their shoes. They have a hard job trying to make all these people happy, trying to make families happy, trying to make doctors happy, trying to run the entire unit and try to make change. It's not an easy job. Well, especially in the bigger the unit, the bigger the problems or more of the problems. It's it's crazy. Some of the things we say, how do you like, what are your tips for preventing burnout? I did too much. And I think once you become so invested, then you almost, you care too much. And I don't want to say care too much because we all care about our job, but you take it personally because you've put so much blood, sweat and tears to it that you take it personally. And then on top of that, like letting it affect your life. Um, It shouldn't affect your life outside of like when you clock out, you really should be clocked out and just be off the clock. Yeah. Yeah. But off the clock, you're, you're carrying it mm-hmm. with you. And so I think I did too much too fast. And I caution new nurses coming in, pace yourself. You can be a clin for nurse. You don't need to do it within your first three years, four years, four years of being there. Mm-hmm. You don't need to rush that. You don't need to join every committee. You don't need to write all the policies. You don't need to be a super user for every single thing. You don't need to take all the new grads and precept like nursing students. Mm-hmm pace yourself. I think it's good to get involved and participate, but you don't have to say yes to everything. And I think they find those people that once they say yes to one thing, they keep asking the same people to do more and more and more and more because you're willing to do it. 
and you find yourself saying yes and yes and yes. And, and yes. then you get your soul sucked out of you and you get your soul sucked out of you and then you care too much. Yeah. So there's actually, um, I want to, there's two nurses on our unit on one of my units where they literally had to completely leave the unit because they were so burned out to go do, I think it's COVID testing. And I'm like, I feel that like, I understand what it feels, what you feel like when you just literally physically can't come in anymore because you are just so burnt to your core. And I think Sam and I have both been there for different reasons in different scenarios. Um, healthcare is very demanding. That is not, and I feel almost bad because I almost feel like this is an episode and I know there's a lot of new healthcare people coming up that listen to this, but this is, is this just real? And this we is a learn from our mistakes sort of episode. Yeah. And I think it's tough too, because it's really hard to describe to someone unless you've been there or unless you're in it. But we really, I really think that this is such an important episode for you guys, because this is so, this is something that so many providers, I would say, most providers are going are have been or going through something like this. And it's just learning how to what your limits are, how to prevent your burnout, how to maintain a job that you love. And to be honest, we've tried things. And then, you know, I had to change and I didn't like what I changed. So, you know, you can always do something and then go back. You can, but don't burn your bridges. Yeah, that's the big thing. And I, both of us also do know a lot of nurses who have, cannot come back to our unit yeah, because they burn bridges and you know, that happens. I mean, also time passes and then people forget. So there's that too. I think my thing too was I felt like I was allowed to complain because I participated so much. So I always got annoyed when people would complain and be like, well, do something about it. I felt like, well, I can complain because I'm on this committee, this committee, this committee. We had, I'm giving yeah, my time and yeah. energy. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I had the right to complain. And then it's still at the end of the day, just made me a negative person. Whether or not I was entitled to my complaints because I was putting in the work was irrelevant. Yeah. Because I was still putting out that negative energy into the unit. Yeah. And so that's why I just say you don't need to be over-involved to the point where you're burning yourself out. I think it's good to maybe be involved in one project at a time or one little thing. But if you take so much onto your plate, you're going to burn yourself out. Yeah. I would say for me, you know, Sam and I were on a lot of the same things together, but I definitely knew, you know, for my three and a half, four year mark, I needed to make a change and I did. And, you know, and I've, I have felt that very burnout feeling. And, you know, for me, I'm like a little chameleon. Like I like to shift and change. I like to go try a new unit. I like to kind of change it up. And right now it's kind of funny because I feel like I'm almost in the opposite where like, I like, um, feeling at home, which I've never been like that as a you nurse. Have so much other stuff going on though, yes. that it's good for work to be comfortable. My, my shift really happened where I realized my love and my happiness is really coming from my like exterior things that I'm really trying to build and love. And like, that's a big thing for me. And I love, it's kind of reinvigorated my bedside where like I go in and I can give my full self again, like physically, mentally, everything, because I feel like I get to make the difference that I want in a different way. And I think both of us are kind of those creatures where we like to be able to do that. And, you know, I don't know, just, being able to shift, try something new, go take a travel assignment, go try a different unit. Like those are really awesome ways to really kind of reinvigorate yourself. 
and don't be afraid to try something new. I was terrified to leave the NICU and I have never been so happy. I mean, I've had so many people tell me now when they see me at work, like you're just different. You are. You're a totally different person. Like the cloud is gone. Happy. Like I am excited to come into work. I love all my coworkers. I love my manager and I'm just in a good mood the whole time I'm there. And it feels good to be, I feel so appreciated too. Yeah. And it just feels good to love your job. Yeah, it does. And, you know, for us, I think getting just kind of wrapping this up, it feels like something that we just both really want you, everyone to take away from this is really to, if you're, if you're feeling that burnout or you're feeling that leave, 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 leave. You're it's, never going to make it better yeah. once you've reached that point. Yeah you know, get out of your comfort zone, go try something new. Um, there's way too many things in the healthcare field, much less nursing. I mean, nursing is, there's so many things to do in nursing. You know, you just have to take that leap of faith and go do something. And even if you end up hating it, look at me, like I went to NP school for a year and I hated it and I needed to change it. I needed to traveler at how many hospitals? I've been a traveler. I've worked in eight different eight eight different organizations four as a traveler yeah I mean look like I but I enjoyed that I love it but now I enjoy being uh, you know there's different chapters in your life too right there's like different things going on you had had also a lot of personal things going off that that affected your life and sometimes personal things affect your work environment as well um I wasn't happy at home and it translated into also not being happy at my job and it all just kind of hit at once. Yeah. It was a big storm of personal life, burnout, me getting that kind of scarlet letter on my back. It just all happened at once and it all came crumbling down at the same time. Yeah. And you know, here's the thing is like, that's happened to a lot of nurses. But I could have stayed and just stuck it out. And I would have been what, two more years down the road of just being miserable every day. Yeah, no. But can't no, you can't do that. You need to just. I like find the Samantha that's happy. That's happy. Me too. Happy I'm today. a happy camper. You're so much happy. It makes me happy as a friend. And then now I have this baby, this selfie podcast yes. that I'm raising with my wife. We love Tori. it. Wife, I know we're we're now a three. We're we're technically a throuple. Like you know, you, me, and Jacob are. You I'm know. like the sister wife that <laughs> Jacob never asked for. It's great, but anyway, we really wanted to come on today and just give our speak our truth be very honest with you guys give you the real deal because this is just real shit that you go through in in healthcare and the longer you're in healthcare trust me you'll you're gonna have experience it it. you'll see it you know you're gonna feel it you're gonna experience it um and you know I do think this is one for nurses who've been there done that like you guys understand it I feel bad kind of for like I don't want to scare new nurses into this but this is just some real shit no but I feel like I'm talking to two camps of people so either you are an experienced nurse who has experienced the burnout you feel it you understand what I'm saying is hitting a nerve with you it's resonating with you you're not happy yeah and you don't know how to get out of it and that's me saying there's something better out there for you. Go find it and make yourself happy. And then this is also me cautioning new nurses coming into the field. Pace yourself. Don't ruin a good thing. Mm-hmm. Pick your battles. Get involved, but don't overburden yourself. Pace yourself. Yeah. And then there's the third camp where it's like, hey, I'm happy. You're happy. Yes, queen. Keep <laughs> living the dream. 
you know, we're going to end that on just a fun, jazzy note. We love you guys resource? so much. Oh, a resource. Yes. Let's I have one. go there. Okay. Okay. So this last week on Netflix, I watched Nurses Who Kill. What? Documentary. It's about serial killer nurses. Oh my God. I love that. Like a non-nurse They're, ratchet moment. No, but like no, a no. Nurse this is a real, moment. real, real nurses that oh. are like in jail for being serial killers. Holy smokes. It's called Nurses Who Kill. Okay. Love this. It's wild. I can't even imagine. Please do not be a serial killer, you guys. It's crazy, though. It's called Nurses Who Kill. It's on Netflix. Are these all based on real? Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. And one of them, like, went to jail in Texas. And I think she's, like, been released or up for release. I don't know. Oh, crazy. Okay, we got to watch this. Watch it. Oh, good, good, good. Nurses Who Kill. Nurse Ratchet's good, too. I like that one. Yeah, I'm in, I'm this is that. like the real, the real deal, like real life. It's wild. Fabulous. I don't know if I have this one this week. I don't have one this week. All right. Well, I got you. Nurses who kill. There we go. There got to take go. a, take a listen. All right. So where can they find us? Okay. You guys, you know, you can find us on our Instagram. That's at C E L L F I E underscore podcast. You can find all of our episodes on www.selfiepodcast.com. You guys, we have merch, merch, merch. Selfie podcast. Get the merch. If you twin l- with me, love a day off, love a day off. If you want to be off the clock with us, that's my favorite hat on earth make sure you do and then head over to rate and review us let us know what you thought i know this hit a for sure hit someone in the head today and you were like oh my god this one sat with me we want to hear from you guys yeah we want to know we want to hear it in the rates of reviews if you do leave us a review make sure you leave your insta handle in there we will be sending over some super cute selfie swag and then please subscribe download Share it with your friends. Yes, please. And then follow us on Instagram. Yeah, at Nurse Tori and at Hey Samantha with two A's. And thank you so much for listening, you guys. Thanks for the support. Check you next week. Check you next week. Bye.